Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we're in a series called Without a Doubt. If you missed one of the first two, uh, the audio is on our website, and you might want to catch up with that. Uh, we'll do a, a review here in a second. Um, your connect cards. I'm going to ask you to do something with those this morning. So if you've got a prayer request, something you want to turn in, we'll have to give you another copy or another, another uh, one after the service. And so, guys, you won't have to collect them after service because we're going to exchange cards at the end. All right? So, <clears throat> without a doubt, we started with this, our series with kind of a theme verse, and it's from Proverbs chapter 3, beginning with verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So that means depend on, rely on, have faith in. Uh, completely, totally, 100%. Lean not on your own understanding because we've all made mistakes leaning on our own, own understanding, right? So lean on God, make, avoid some mistakes. All, again, all, all your ways submit to Him, not just some of your ways. And He, God, will make your path straight or He'll direct your paths. And we all want a directed path. We want a straight path, uh, an easier road, we would say. And we summarize this proverb with this statement. Trust begins when we make God a priority, not just a passing thought. He is the number one priority. He is all. And uh, that's when trust begins. And then last week, uh, I think last week was a really important topic we talked about. We used a a verse that's pretty familiar if you're a church person. And um, we came up with this Thought, when you can't see the hands of God, you must trust the heart of God. So when things don't look like God cares, that God loves you, or God wants what's best for you, you've got to trust His heart. And God's heart tells us that's true because He sent Jesus to die for us. And uh, we talked about a familiar verse, uh, Romans 8.28, and summarized it this way with a promise. If it's not good, it's not over. Because that promise is God will work all things together for good. So if it's not good yet, it's not over. And that's a promise we have. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask you to do something uh, a little different this morning. I want to get you to get out of your comfort zone. And I want you to turn to somebody that doesn't know you well, so not your relative or spouse or whatever, and share your favorite, um, not your favorite, your middle name, if that's not what you use. Now, see, I use my middle name. So some of you don't know my first name. So for me, I would share my first name. So you share, and I have a grandson who has two middle names, which is kind of cool. But anyway, turn to somebody that doesn't know your middle name and share your middle name with them. Get out of your comfort zone. Go ahead. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you to do something later. Uh, with that same person, okay? So keep that person in mind. All of us have doubts. Uh, Preachers have doubts. Uh, People that are Jesus followers have doubts. People that aren't Jesus followers have doubts. We have doubts about finances. We have doubts about health issues. We have big doubts about relationships sometimes. We have big doubts about what should I, you know, choices about my future. Should I do this? Do that, go there, take this job, take that job, go to this school, etc., etc. So we all have doubts. Now we all have stories about how doubt has affected our lives in the past. 
Also, <clears throat> uh, when you were dating, you, you know, you doubt that person would call you back or accept your invitation. When you asked that person to marry you, did you have doubts? Um, in your relationship, did you ever get to the place? We certainly did. 13 years in, we doubt if this thing was going to work out. Uh, doubts about getting into school or finishing school. Your parents doubting if you would finish school uh, or if they could pay for you to finish school. Uh, all kinds of doubts. We all have doubts as part of our, our, our life history. <clears throat> now, in some areas of life, I have no doubts. I have no doubt that my wife loves me. Otherwise, she wouldn't have stuck with me for 40 years, right? So I don't have any doubts about that. I have no doubts that God loves me. I have no doubts that God will take care of me financially. And some of you heard me tell this story when I... When we retired from being missionaries, I basically had no job for about a year. And with four kids, and uh, God met all our needs. I'm at the place now, financially, I have no doubts God's going to take care of me. Um, And you probably have areas of your life you have no doubts, but you also have areas you do have doubts. So I got to thinking, we're three weeks into the series, what area of my life do I have the greatest doubts? What are my greatest doubts? Now, I ran this by one of my, my small groups, and it was interesting. Uh, it basically came out of the small group for, for other people that are Jesus followers. <clears throat> so, my biggest, my greatest doubt comes in the area, does, does God care as much about my friends and family that are far from God? Some of these folks I've been praying for for 10 and 20 years. And I see no progress. In fact, sometimes I see things are getting worse. They're farther from God. They have less interest in God. They have less peace and joy in their life. And I see it and I, it, it, it burdens me and it saddens me. And uh, I, I wish they would, you know, wake up and understand. And, and, and they don't. And so I doubt. I doubt that God cares as much about them as I do. I don't doubt that he can. I just don't doubt sometimes that he will. And uh, some of you have the same doubts. You've, maybe you've taken your kids to church the whole time they were growing up. And they got to be adults and said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to do my own thing. You know, the God thing is not much fun. I'm, it's more fun doing this other thing. Some of you have that scenario. Some of you, uh, it could be a spouse. Maybe they never were a Jesus follower. Others, they were a Jesus follower for a while, and then they said, "Uh, this is not working for me. Uh, Maybe you have close friends. Uh, Maybe you didn't used to be a Jesus follower, and you became a Jesus follower, and and then it's, you know, you're you're kind of got this disconnect because you've got this basis to your life, and they don't have this basis to their life anymore. And, And you want with all your heart that they would find out and discover uh, the joy of following Jesus and uh, you just can't, you talk to them, you share things with them, uh, you invite them to church, maybe they even come to church, yet there's still this disconnect in, and you have doubts about if they'll ever come to know Jesus, become a Jesus follower. And if you're here and you're not a Jesus follower, we're delighted that you're here. And the reason you're not a Jesus follower at this point is because you don't believe it. You don't believe it'll work for you. You don't believe it's the best choice for you. You may not believe he, 
he exists. And uh, we're especially thank, thankful that you're here checking it out, at least, at least giving it a try, trying to figure this thing, thing out. So we're going to look at a scripture uh, passage, story from the life of Jesus, where a guy was at his wit's end, uh, praying or caring for, in this case, a son. Now, Mark chapter 9 starts off with this kind of weird story. And if you're not a Jesus follower, you probably think it's really weird. Um, Jesus takes his three closest buds, Peter, James, and John, up on top of this mountain. And there's this, uh, we call it the transfiguration. God appears in kind of a special way, and Peter puts his foot in his mouth like he usually does. And Anyway, that's the lead into this story. So when we start this, this verse, it'll kind of make sense. <clears throat> so here it is. When they return, that's Jesus and the, these three disciples, they return to the other disciples, so the other nine. So now they're all together, all 12 of them, and Jesus. They saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. Now that's a shocker, right? Religious people arguing. That's almost like we get a reputation for, is arguing. And as a pastor, I've asked myself, yeah, over years and years and years, why do Jesus' followers argue? <clears throat> now, some of it's just kind of natural things we disagree about. But there's kind of a, a, a theological issue in the evangelical church anyway, where we believe what's called the priesthood of the believer. That means God talks to you, just like he talks to me. God reveals himself to you and he reveals himself to me. When you read the Bible, God helps you understand it and interpret it. So the problem is when God reveals something or interprets something for you and it's reveal something, interpret something for me, and it's different, then we argue about it. Now, it's kind of crazy because, wait a minute, we ought to just try and figure this out, right? And it's really kind of a, a pride, a kind of an arrogance that I know because God told me da-da-da-da-da. Well, I've come to the place in my life where I, anytime I think I know, <laughs> God may prove me wrong. Uh, I say, don't put, try and put God in a box, but we tend to argue. We tend to disagree about things. And this is what's happening in, in this scenario with, with Jesus. <clears throat> so when the crowd saw Jesus, you know, they're arguing over here. And then Jesus shows up. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, awe and they ran to greet him. And probably you've seen this, experienced this. Uh, you know, some rock star, some movie star, some famous political person shows up. And everybody, you know, cheers and runs and tries to get close to him, touch them, shake their hand, whatever. Well, that's the same deal. At this point, Jesus is a rock star, so everybody's running to him. And he wants to find out what's going on. So he says, what is this arguing about? And one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. So he can't talk. And he needs healing. And this man brings Jesus uh, his son to Jesus. Now, evidently, as we're going to see, this has been going on for a while. And so, this guy's had a tough time. Uh, we would say he had a special needs child, maybe, uh, in our, our, our lingo, in our society. And uh, some of you may have, and it, it's tough uh, raising uh, a child that some, has something wrong with it. But he brings him to Jesus. He brings him to Jesus, hoping that Jesus would heal. Actually, brought him to disciples first. And uh, many of you have brought your kids, maybe you're bringing your grandkids now, 
to Jesus, or to at least the church, so we can be exposed to Jesus. And our children's ministry does a great job exposing your children to Jesus. And uh, someone told me, the kids enjoy coming here. They think it's fun. I think it's a great sin to make church or God uh, not fun. <clears throat> and so you, you brought them, and maybe you brought your kids, maybe they're grown now, and, and you brought them all their life to church, and they got to be adults, and then all of a sudden, uh, no interest. And we have some teens that come to church here, and, and to have teens be Jesus followers in our culture is almost a miracle anymore. Because nothing in our culture encourages or helps teenagers become Jesus followers. So parents, we're glad that you bring your kids and your, grand- and your teens. So he brings his son to Jesus, and he kind of explains the situation. Whenever the Spirit seizes him, throws him into this violent, violently to the ground, foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So it's worse than he just can't talk, right? He's got, uh, uh, he's having some kind of uh, fit, leptic, uh, epileptic fit or something we would say from our, in our lingo. They didn't know that stuff back then. So he's, he's got a serious health issue, right? So I asked the disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And so you've raised your kids and they become teenagers and they, they go wild. Or they go off to college and they say, you know, that, that God was your God, it's not my God, I'm going to do my own thing. Or they become, go into workplace, whatever. And so your feelings or your attitude is, it didn't work. God, I did everything I could and it didn't work. They're not Jesus followers. In fact, there's this Bible verse in Proverbs that said, you, you know, raise a child in the way he should go, and when he gets old, he won't depart. And my kids have departed. It didn't work. I have my doubts. So Jesus has his interaction with this guy, and he says, how long has it been happening? Now, did Jesus know how long it had been happening? Of course he did. Jesus knows everything. So he knew how long. Either he wanted the son to of the father to express this or for the crowd to know this. But anyway, he asked the question. And his answer was, since he was a little boy. So we don't know how long that's been, but it's been a while. You know, he might be a young adult, he might be a teenager, he might be, you know, older. But he's had this issue. He calls him his son. He doesn't call him his, his child at this point. He had his issue. <clears throat> and I'm just in interpreting this, but I've got the feeling that he's been exhausted taking care of this son. For years, taking care of this son, trying to do the best he can to help him. And maybe you have been exhausted praying and speaking and talking to your children or loved ones, some other loved ones, about Jesus. You're exhausted. You don't know what else to do. And you have doubts. He goes on to explain. The situation gets even worse with this son. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water so he can get burnt or he could drown. So this is life-threatening. This is serious situation. The spirit's trying to kill him. This disease is trying to kill him. So he said, Jesus, have mercy on us. Not just on my son. This has affected me big time. Have mercy on us. And help us if you can. If you can. 
We've all been there, haven't we? We know Jesus theoretically can, but if you can in this situation, or will you in this situation? Will you heal my son? Will you bring my children, or son, daughter, back to you? Will you bring my spouse back to you, God? Or will you bring them to you? If you can. Now, I love Jesus' response. <laughs> if you were Jesus, you, were, you would probably respond this way too. What do you mean if I can? <laughs> I'm Jesus. I'm God. I can do anything, right? <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. You ever been challenged to do something somebody didn't think you could do? I have the experience with my son sometimes. We'll be doing some kind of work. I remember doing a, uh, digging up our sidewalk, and I, my sons are helping me, and they're doing something, and I'm getting frustrated because they're not doing it the right way or not doing it fast enough, so I'll, you know, I'll jump in there and, and, and do it and maybe do something they couldn't do or lift something they couldn't lift. And uh, they look stronger than me, right, my sons. In fact, they probably are stronger than me, but part of it's technique and then they tell me I have old man muscle, whatever that is, so I can do some things they can't do. <clears throat> so sometimes I get challenged, and uh, I don't know about you, but if I get challenged, I'm going to prove that I can do it. So ja- Jesus is challenged here. Now, I'm not Jesus, obviously, and so Jesus gets challenged. There truly isn't anything he can't do. But we all have those situations, don't we? I'm not quite sure, Jesus. Can you fix this? Can you fix my marriage? Can you fix my finances? Can you fix my health? Can you fix some legal issue I might have? Can you fix my job situation? Especially the longer it goes on, right? It's been like this for years. I don't see how it's going to change. If you can, Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning just so Jesus can tell you, I can. <laughs> I'm God. I can. And he words it this way. Anything is possible if a person believes. Now, time out. This guy just brought this boy, his son to you, Jesus. He believes you can heal him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have brought him. You you wouldn't go to some quack doctor out here somewhere if you didn't believe they could help you, right? This guy wouldn't have brought him to Jesus unless he thought he could help. He believes. He brought him. And you probably believe too, bringing your kids up in church, bringing your friends, bringing your spouse, talking to them. You believe, right? You wouldn't do that. Now, there's a little theological issue here. (laughs) There's part of the church that says, hey, you just, whatever you want, you just believe it and God's going to give it to you. Is that what Jesus is saying? Of course not. I believe he's saying you can have what you need because Jesus promises that if you believe. Not what you want, what you need. So, the Father's response. Now, Jesus has kind of thrown this back on him, Right? Your son can be healed if you believe. And so the father's response is kind of your response and my response to those things we doubt, those things we want that God doesn't seem to be giving us. He instantly cried out. 
I do believe. I brought my son. But help me overcome my unbelief. Your disciples couldn't help him. I'm not quite sure you're going to be able to help him. Well, that's a wonderful prayer for all of us, right? Whatever situation in your life where you're struggling with believing. I, 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 I believe, but, you know, doubt's creeping in. Especially for you guys. Guys, I'm going to talk to you for a second. You know, women are a little bit easier to share their, their shortcomings and their doubts and so forth. We, we you know, that, that, that macho thing, you know, we got it all together. Uh, you know, I believe, I, I, I know, I'm not, I, you know, I have no doubts. No, 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 no. We need to be honest with our emotions and with our feelings, uh, more, like, more like the ladies. So when we're in that situation where we're thinking, I believe, but I, help me overcome my belief, I share three things we need to do. And this isn't rocket science, but these are things we really need to do. First, we need to believe. When the doubt creeps in, we need to keep our faith, keep our belief. Hebrews 11.1 1 says it this way. Now, faith is the insurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You ever have anybody tell you not to get your hopes up? The next time anybody tells you that, tell them to shut up. Not say it nicely, but tell them to shut up. All right? As believers, we're supposed to have hope. We're supposed to have radical, irrational hope. We're supposed to be the most positive people on the planet because we serve the living God, right? So parents, be hopeful, even if it looks like we shouldn't. With your kids, with your grandkids. Church, let's be hopeful. What God can do through us in this community. Let's be hopeful what God can do through the church uh, globally. We've all had our hopes crushed, haven't we? Some relationship that fell apart. Some job situation. Some health issue. Don't look at, watch the news. <laughs> or don't turn to politics if you don't want your hopes to get crushed. And maybe you're in a job you hate, the people you don't like, and not making enough money to pay your bills. How much, how would that, how would that look differently if you went to work tomorrow with hope? Hope that the job would be, you enjoy the job more. Hope that the people you're working with would be a better relationship. I don't know, maybe, maybe even (laughs) that you'd get enough money to pay your bills. How would your life be different? I know it would be different for the people you work with. Hope should set us apart. And the neat thing about hope is contagious. So we need to believe, we need to hope. Second, we need to love. <clears throat> we need to love. And the funny thing is, people that aren't Jesus followers seem to outlove us Jesus followers. You know, people don't have problems going down to the bar and sharing their, their problems, but they have trouble coming to church. Now, part of it is we haven't communicated what church is about. See, church is a hospital for the sick, right? (laughs) And we don't have it together, right? And we shouldn't act like we have it all together. We know the person that can help us, but we don't have it together. Now, Jesus said, this is like the most important thing. Uh, He didn't say, well, you'll prove that you're my disciples because you go to church on Sunday, or you read your Bible, or you know your Bible. 
What's he say? It's in John 13. And this is right after he's just watched his dirty, stinking feet of his disciples. Kind of proven, showing it. Your love for one another will prove to the world you are my disciples. So when's the last time you showed irrational love to somebody? Just out of the box, unexplainable love. That's what everybody wants, isn't it? Share a story I love with you. Uh, it's about a guy who had four sons. Some of you got three sons, I know. He had four sons. And he, he gets the call one day from his son saying, Dad, come pick me up. I've, I've gotten in trouble. So Dad pulls up in the truck and he gets there and he says, Get in the truck. Now, all, most of us have been there, right? And so we kind of start shaking inside. We're a little nervous. We don't know what's going to happen. We're going to be grounded for a, for a year or something worse. And so they get in the truck. Dad's not saying anything. Target. This is a few years ago. He drives to Target. He says, come on in, store, in the store with me. Goes back to the uh, video place. He buys an Xbox. This is when Xbox was the latest thing. He buys an Xbox, and the son is thinking, what is going on? Is he going to buy this Xbox that I want so much and give it to somebody else just to rub it in my face? So they get out of the store, get in the truck, and he hands the Xbox to his son. He said, I want you to enjoy this. And the son's completely confused. This is the last thing he expected to happen. <clears throat> and he says, son, this is the gospel. This is the last thing you deserve. This is what I'm giving you. This is the gift I'm giving you. This is grace. You know what the, what the father had just done? He hadn't done something to change his son's behavior. When we discipline our children, it's to change their behavior, right? He hadn't done something to change his behavior. He had done something to change his heart. And that guy today, he's a pastor on the other side of the world, loving and serving people. Just a couple parenting tips, and some of you have heard me share these. One of the best studies we ever did was called Parenting by Grace. And it taught us to do things like that. And Amanda Jones, tell the time that the Joneses did it with her, and she still remembers it to this day. She was sharing that with us. And the other thing that uh, we learned that was really helpful is when you can, say yes. As parents, we just have to say no a lot, don't we? No, you can't do this. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. So when you can, say yes, because often we just say no automatically. I'm going to go here. I want to do this. No, 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 no. When you can say yes. So we need to believe or hope. We need to love. And I'm going to show you a clip from a movie, Unbroken. If you haven't seen this good movie, the book is great. I recommend a book you want to read. And uh, this will introduce the third of the threes.
Okay. Flat tire. <laughs> <laughs> Now you're praying? I was busy before. My mother does that sometimes. Yeah. A lot of people do this. You say anything back? Yeah. What? He says my bombardier is a dope. <laughs> Get an answer, right? Prayer, prayer. Um, now you pray when well, I was a little busy, and we all get busy. But one reason that I know this is my greatest doubt is because sometimes I stop praying for salvation for people that are far from God because I doubt. So what happens in our story? Jesus says, prayer is the key. The spirit screamed through the boy another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. And maybe there's a murmur about your marriage. It's dead. And maybe there's a murmur about your finances. It's dead. And maybe some murmur about some other area of your life. It's dead. What did Jesus do? He took it by the hand. He helped him to his feet. And he stood up. He was healed. Afterward, when Jesus was alone with the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Good question, right? Why couldn't we get results? And Jesus replies this, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. There's some things that only prayer can do. It unlocks something in God. So we have to have the attitude of dependence on God and we have to have the action of asking God. And there's no substitute for prayer, especially for those things you and I can't control, like a person, uh, somebody else's relationship with God. And be foolish for me to tell you, get, get up here and tell you, you just got to talk to them more, or you got to, you know, invite them to church more. Good things. But salvation, for anybody to step across that line, that is God's work. So I put this on your outline. I've done all I can do. I've prayed, I've pleaded, I've asked you, God. The rest is up to you. Now, Richard is helping me uh, a lot, uh, Richard Queen, building Josh Robbins' house. And uh, sometimes we'll be lifting up something pretty heavy. And uh, Richard will be on one end, I'll be on the other end. He'll lift his side up, and I can't get my side up. And he says, wait, 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 wait. And he runs over, and he helps me lift that up. He helps me lift the weight. And so that's what the, church, what the church is about. It's helping each other lift the weight. 
So here's what I want you to do. Take your Connect card. And whoever God has brought to mind when I've been talking this morning about a child, a spouse, a grandchild, uh, at least one name, no more than two. I want you to put two names of people that you care about, that you've been praying for, and maybe you've even given up praying because you see no progress, no results. In fact, things may be getting even worse. And once you write that name or two names down, whoever you shared your middle name with, you give them that card so they can pray with you for those two names. Can you do that? Write down one or two names of people far from God that you want to be close to God because you care about them and somebody else can pray with you for that person or those persons. All right, do it. Write the names down. Give it to the person you shared your middle name with. So on church, I'm challenging you for this week at least to bear one another's burden, the burden of someone far from God that means a lot to you, that you care about. Since I'm the guy up here, I get to share mine with all of you. So here they are. I have two brothers and two sisters. Uh, My sisters are Jesus followers. My brothers are not. Here's their names. Pierce is my brother two years younger than me. We, of course, grew up together. He grew up in church. Well, from the time he was about 10, he grew up in church. He was a Jesus follower for a while. And now he's far from God. He lives in North Carolina. Uh, He comes to church here about once a year, maybe. Uh, His wife is is a Jesus follower, though. So that's one brother. And my youngest brother, he's about eight years younger than me, lives in Boonesboro, two miles from me. Far, far from God. His spouse is far from God. Their son's far from God. And uh, I see no progress. It's been 20, 30 years I've been praying for, for both of my brothers. And it crushes us, doesn't it? Doesn't it crush your spirit when you see them and they're far from God and you know they could have so much more they could have peace and joy. And you've talked to them until you're blue in the face and you prayed and you prayed. So we're going to bear one another's burdens this week. And if you, I'd appreciate if you'd add these two names to your card and pray with me for them. Pray and expect change. Thank you. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you for prayer we thank you that something supernatural happens and we know the whole free will thing we can't force people but I know from my personal experience God that you came after me and I'm asking you to come after my brothers Pierce and Dean and all these folks are asking you to come after their loved ones their friends their children their spouses Um, and we're going to share that burden together this week and expect great things. And if you're not a Jesus follower here this morning, we, we want to pray for you because we care about you, we love you, and we want you to have the joy and peace that comes. And maybe you've tried it in the past and it, and it didn't work. We just encourage you to, to try it again. God, I thank you for Jesus. <laughs> that sometimes we ask that question, if you can, foolish question. We know you can. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.